Parent Show, sponsored by Raiden Solicitors, award-winning specialist family lawyers. See RaidenSolicitors.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I'm Lydia Elcori. And tonight, Seema Barker, myself and Amanda Yorworth are delighted to bring you a wonderful array of guests. And you'll see there's a consistent theme of kindness and positivity in our show in the lead up to Christmas. Firstly, we're going to speak to Miss Jacqueline Bamfo and Miss Neela Mukopedia from Luton and Dunstable Hospital, who are providing an incredibly valuable service to pregnant women who are experiencing issues in pregnancy. They'll talk us through the news that progesterone will now be offered to women who are bleeding in early pregnancy. And they will also talk us through other developments. And we'll be asking them how it's been treating women, uh, pregnant women in this global pandemic that we're experiencing and over the past two years. And really giving listeners some incredibly useful advice and tips. So be sure to stay listening. And in the second half of the show, we'll be speaking to Mark Jackson-Hancock, resident book manager, and Sarah Coles, the sustainability manager at St. Francis Hospice. So we're going to get some great gift ideas from St. Francis Hospice, gifts that are also great for the planet, raise money for a great cause, and would be fantastic to receive. And also on that note, our third and final guest will be Danielle Jefferson, from Jefferson Crafts, who's talking to us about how she and her mom take unused material and make them into wonderful gifts. So stay tuned. Fantastic show ahead. And we're delighted to have you with us. But before we move on to speaking to our guests, I'd like to pass on birthday wishes to a young local student who's listening in. Yes, it's you, Pharrell. Happy, happy birthday from all of us at Radio Verlum and particularly from the parents show. Pharrell is turning 14 and we wish you the happiest birthday. A little birdie in the shape of your younger brother. Let us know about your birthday. So I hope you're having a fantastic time. Hello and welcome to the Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I'm Lydia Elkoury. And good evening, everyone. I am Seema Barker. Uh, delighted to be with you this evening. And we are, and I know we say this a lot, we've got such great guests tonight, but we really have. And we are just delighted to be with two incredibly able women who are going to talk to us this evening about something that an awful lot of parents will be interested in. So I am going to be introducing this evening Miss Jacqueline Bamfo, who is a consultant in obstetrics and fetal medicine specialist, and also Miss Neela Mukapadia, who is consultant gynaecologist with specialist interest in early pregnancy and emergency gynaecology. And actually, I just want to say this really interesting thing, which I've introduced them both as Miss What I didn't realise before speaking to them tonight was that actually because they're both surgical consultants, so because they're both actually doing surgery, they are no longer called doctor. So I would have thought we'd call them doctor, but actually they are surgical consultants and that's why I'm referring to them as Miss. They've surpassed that title of doctor, which is amazing. So uh, delighted to have you both with us this evening, ladies. Thank you for having us. Fantastic. And we've got so many interesting questions to ask you. I suppose I'm going to start with, though, and can I start with you, Neela? Um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself professionally, please? Um, good evening, everyone. I'm Neela Mukhopadhyay, and I'm a consultant in gynaecology. I have been a consultant at the Luton and Dunstable Hospital, now called the Bedfordshire Hospitals. And I have been a consultant since 2011, but a qualified doctor for over 30 years. I was appointed as an early pregnancy and emergency gynecology lead, and I've always had a very keen interest in this area. I've had the relevant training, and I deal with miscarriages, ectopic pregnancies, uh, hyperemesis, which is excessive vomiting in pregnancy, and other pregnancy losses. I also have an interest in menopause, fertility, reproductive endocrinology, fibroid management, and pediatric gynecology. I have also got a great passion in medical education. I have done a lot of work, uh, and I am an honorary senior lecturer at the UCL. So in terms of uh, my work at the Luton and Dunstable Hospital, 
I'm quite proud of what I do, and I have set up a specialist recurrent miscarriage clinic in 2012, which then became a referral center for women from Beds, Hearts, and Buckinghamshire and many nearby counties. I was the local principal investigator for the PROMISE trial, which is very much in the news at the moment with the use of progesterone in miscarriages. And I recruited women in Luton as part of the trial and as the clinical director at the Luton and Dunstable Hospital between 2014 and 2018. We recruited a lot of consultants and expanded the consultant body And I'm really proud of what we have achieved at Luton and the quality of care that we strive to deliver. Well, I'm absolutely flabbergasted, quite frankly. You've got more specialisms and interests in medicine than books that I've read in my lifetime. So thank you so much for being so able. And now that you've mentioned your interest in the menopause, I can imagine that we're, Lydia and I are both going to think, oh, there's a person, a specialist that we know that can answer our questions. You're going to be sorry you've mentioned that, Neela. But thank you for that. And can I ask you, Jacqueline, could you please um, tell us a little bit about yourself professionally as well? Thank you very much again for having me here this evening. Yes, I'm a consultant in obstetrics and fetal medicine, also at the Luton and Dunstable Hospital. I've been working in obstetrics and gynecology since 2001 and as a consultant since 2015. I am an accredited subspecialist in maternal and fetal medicine. In my current practice at Luton and Dunstable, I'm also the fetal medicine lead. Fetal medicine is really providing counselling, scanning and support of women and their unborn babies where there has been a concern during the pregnancy with the development of the baby. I also have implemented a preterm birth screening clinic that focuses on assessing women that are at increased risk of having premature birth and screening them for those risks and providing treatment options where they are found to be particularly uh, higher risk. I also look after women during the antenatal period, so providing antenatal care and also deliver women on the uh, labour and delivery suite. Fantastic. And just to echo what uh, Seema said, thank you so much for joining us on the show. And also thank you for the great work you do. I mean that most sincerely, you know, because it's it's invaluable to so many parents and so reassuring to mothers out there, mothers-to-be, that you do the job you do and provide the service that you do. So now it must have been an even more bumpy couple of years with the pandemic. Jacqueline, I'd love to speak to you first about how how the pandemic has, has impacted on your working life. I think it's fair to say it's been once in a lifetime experience. I think everything about the way um, I practice has changed, and I'm, I'm sure I think it's the same for many colleagues. We have had to learn to work and operate in full PPE, learn to talk to patients over the telephone instead of face to face. Even with our, you know, advanced training, we've had to attend online courses which we w- would have always attended face to face. But I've also learned that my colleagues are absolutely fantastic. They're resilient and they are adaptable, they're flexible, and they have all worked amazingly hard during this challenging time. So I always knew that they were fantastic, but I now really appreciate them more. And I'm really thankful for the amazing people that I work with. Fantastic. Neela, tell us a little bit about how how has your professional world changed in the last couple of years? Well, it's been a strange time, and particularly for us as obstetricians and gynecologists, most of our work, as you can imagine, is face-to-face. We have to see women, we have to examine them, we have to operate and do surgeries. Um, I do a lot of scanning, and that involves a lot of contact. And it has been an anxious time. And as Jacqueline said, we have all worked very hard helping and supporting each other. We've shared the workload, despite, as you can imagine, many of us have been ourselves high risk. We have young children and elderly parents to look after, and we have continued to put ourselves at risk. But it's been such a great pleasure to be there for our patients, and I really feel proud that Most doctors, nurses and healthcare professionals 
have shown outstanding commitment, I have to say, dedication. And beyond all, I think what we have all developed is that kindness to be able to understand, you know, how everyone is human and how this works, really. And I have to say, our patients have been brilliant, too, because all my patients would ask me, how are you today? And, you know, that just makes it feel so lovely because we we are connecting with each other as humankind. And I think there have been many positive things come out of this pandemic. Oh, well, that's I mean, it's a it's a really wonderful thing to hear that you that we can look at the positives that you can tell us about those positives, because um, on the outside, for someone that doesn't work in the NHS, you know, it's just worrying for the strain and the pressure that you've all been under and are continuing and, you know, with with uncertainty. So it's wonderful to hear that you can be proud and that you've come together, certainly in your own experiences to deal with this. And. Um, in terms of the pregnant women themselves, now, obviously, because of both of your specialisms and the fact that you are involved in surgery, you are going to be dealing with pregnant women, perhaps more so when things go wrong. And then how does that intersect with the pandemic for the people that for the women that are pregnant? So has the pandemic affected them in a particular way when they're coming to you? Has they, have they been coming to you later maybe? Or um, let me start with you, Neela, as, as you, you deal with the first 12 weeks of a pregnancy, don't you? Yes, yes, I do. And it has been a very anxious time for our patients. And we have seen it. We have seen it. And there are various reasons because, A, they may have had problems accessing the GP. There are long waiting times in A&E. And everywhere there's been a problem, they are worried about coming into the hospital. So they will ring, you know, and check whether they should come in. And when they do come in, they are not allowed to come in with their partners. You know, and it can be so difficult when you, you are given bad news and you're all on your own. So we fully understood how difficult it has been for all our patients. And secondly, the other thing I always felt was we're all wearing these masks and half our faces are not showing. And, you know, what we connect a lot with our facial expressions, you know, how we talk, how we express and emote and things like that, It and how we speak, it must have been so difficult for them. And especially those that are given the diagnosis of miscarriages, particularly the area that I work in, and they are admitted in the hospital and they have nobody visiting them and they're all on their own. So I do think it has been a very difficult time. And Jacqueline obviously will be able to talk about how these women then go on to have babies and and they have had to face many things on their own. Mm-hmm. No, no, that, that's a good point. And Jacqueline, I don't know if you can come in there and tell us a little bit about you are tending to pregnant women um, after that 12-week period. Um, so what has the impact been on those women for you when they've been presenting themselves? I concur with Neela really in terms of the loneliness, I would say, um, having to go through this journey alone. I think that one of the biggest issues was partners not being able to visit or come in for appointments, especially where there were difficult decisions to be made in fetal medicine. You know, you'd have the couple together talking about things that, you know, making decisions. And, you know, when you're in pain, you need somebody to support you. But not having the part, the partner there, and also the the restrictions. You know, when you have a new baby, you want the partner to be there to share in that that moment, and having limited visiting hours. I mean, I think that that was really really difficult. But thankfully, things are a bit better because you know we've now got more, more testing. We've now got uh, you know more PPE. We've now um, got vaccinations, and all of that has really allowed us to put things in place to make things safer for women and and their partners to attend together. So I think that situation has improved. Yes, I think it was definitely difficult at the, in the first peak, and subsequently we have been able to manage it much better. Thank you. The other thing that I also feel that has been difficult is you know m- many women access things not necessarily through the hospital support groups mummy baby groups antenatal classes 
and they've not really had that opportunity to form those friendships with other women. And I think that is, you know, moving forward. I hope that's something that will be able, they will be able to reestablish because I think they do get a lot of support and encouragement from other women. I think you've both touched on so many vulnerabilities for women during early and later pregnancy. And it's it's so lovely to see the compassion you have for, for your patients. So really. Now, one of the reasons, one of the main reasons we wanted to speak to you today as well was about the latest news, which is that women who are who are bleeding in early pregnancy will be given progesterone. Now, I'd love to hear both your opinions on this. Is this good news? Is it long waited? What do you both think about this development? Can we start maybe with Neela? Um, thank you. Interesting development. And we've all waited for um, something that can reduce miscarriages. Miscarriage is something which can be very, very distressing. And we know that one in five couples will have a miscarriage in their reproductive life. Uh, and 1% of couples will have repeated miscarriages. That's three miscarriages in a row. And that has a huge, um, besides the physical symptoms that they undergo, you know, pain and bleeding, it's also related to the negative psychological and emotional impact. And every time this happens, um, you know, these patients who I see in the miscarriage clinic, I, I, I kind of go through it with them as they tell me about how they are just thrown backwards and they are scared of even falling pregnant. So we've all waited and for something that could, you know, make this better. And progesterone is a hormone that we all know is produced by the ovary after it, the ovulation takes place. And lack of progesterone causing miscarriages has been a theory that's gone on for many years. We have used progesterone and there have been several trials. The biggest trial was the PROMISE trial. And then more recently, the PRISM trial, which is to prevent miscarriages in women who were bleeding in early pregnancy. And obviously, there, were, there have been different outcomes they have looked at. And there was a slightly improved outcome of using progesterone in recurrent miscarriages, although the trial did not show very significant outcomes, but there was some benefit in using progesterone in women who had had three miscarriages. And the good thing was there was no uh, detrimental effect of progesterone to either the mother or the baby. So it was safe to use. And we were using progesterone in women with more than three miscarriages for the last two years. However, the recent guidance that has come into the NICE guidance uh, states that any woman with one previous miscarriage and bleeding in early pregnancy will benefit from using progesterone. So that's a great breakthrough because we have been waiting and we really don't understand everything about miscarriages. And although we investigate for a lot of things, I always say to my patients, there are many things in medicine which are still unanswered and we will not be able to uh, find a reason. So finding something that could make a difference is such a big positive step in medicine. And I, I do feel excited about it. Excellent. Thanks, Neela. Jacqueline, what's your opinion on it? I also agree that it's some um, fantastic news. As Neela said, it doesn't cause any harm as far as we know, and in fact may do some good. So I think there's definitely something, you know, now it's been shown through studies that there's definitely a good benefit of it. So I think I think it's wonderful that we are able to offer it to women. And, you know, there's good guidance now on how we offer it and how much we offer it. And, you know, so women uh, that have had a previous miscarriage that have had bleeding in, in pregnancy, so, so long as they've had a scan that has demonstrated fetal heartbeat, would be able to have this up to about 16 weeks, which is really, you know, positive. So I think it's I think it's fantastic. I think progesterone in itself may in you know there's more studies that we need to do to see what other benefits that it may have because my specialist area is is running the pre preterm birth screening clinic. And in this clinic 
we look at women that um, have a risk of having a premature birth. And if they're found to have a shortened neck of the womb, uh, we also describe this as a short cervix, one of the treatment options we, we, we give the women is progesterone. And we do know that it can help to prolong the pregnancy. So I think we do need to do more research into progesterone to learn about benefits. Great. And this is a personal interest as well, because actually I had three miscarriages in early pregnancy. But at that point, there was this is over 12 years ago before your clinic, Neela, was, was set up. And I'm just so happy for women now that there is something that can help that doesn't cause any harm. And, you know, and even psychologically, I think for women to know that there's something being done with pregnancies to try and stop this, I think will be a massive, massive help. And why do you think it's taken this long? Is it because trials had to be done? It was to check that it was safe? Or is it just a a slower process when it comes to obstetrics? Um, So can I answer that? Um, Yes, please. Um, So um, as you can imagine, any medication that's used in the first 12 weeks of pregnancy has to be very, very carefully studied because that is the time when the baby is forming. And if there's any drug that you administer that might cause congenital abnormalities later on in life or, you know, cancers later on in their lives, you have to be so careful about what you can give. Uh, And these, these studies have to go through meticulous planning. They have to be uh, what we call randomized control trials where you have to have two groups which have a placebo and the drug. And you have to look at long-term outcome data because it's not just about, you know, children at one year of age. It has to be studied much longer term because that has a huge implication on babies. So anything in the first 12 weeks has to be meticulously studied. And of course, you know, research takes time. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. It takes years and years for research to develop and grow. And you look back 20 years, things have changed so much in how we practice. And I'm sure in 20 years time, I tell all my patients that 20 years time, there will be something magical come through and we would have stopped so many more miscarriages but I just wish we could turn those years round but that is the process it has to take place you know over time. Of course it makes complete sense. Yeah. I I think it's it's really interesting to hear you also say how for some issues in medicine just haven't been resolved yet you know they and and that I can imagine it must be very hard for somebody to hear when they're having to deal with loss and pain. And as you've you know, referred to yourself a number of times, the psychological impact of all of these issues, especially if they're recurrent. So that enthusiasm that you've got for the fact that you've been involved in some of these trials and now this is happening, it's, it's really nice because that must be hard for you when you know that there are some issues that there are just aren't answers for right now. And so, you know, I just think it's uh, lovely that you've you've got this great big smile on your face because it's such a positive, this progesterone is such a positive development. So that's fantastic. I'm just going to now, if it's okay, steer us away from that progesterone issue and ask you a little bit about something that we're all dealing with, uh, which is obviously the pandemic, and whether or not issues around vaccination are impacting you at work whether that's causing any particular issues. Um, Is it okay if I come to you first, Jacqueline, on that one? Yes, of course. Vaccination, yes, it's a big one. Um, On a personal note, not at all. And I mean, as an individual, I mean, all the people I I tend to associate with Mm -hmm. tend to be vaccinated. And my colleagues have been, majority of them, I think have been vaccinated. And I think from the patient's point of view, I think vaccination rates amongst pregnant women are I think can be improved we definitely need to increase the uptake in pregnant women because pregnant women can get COVID just like anyone else however they are at increased risk of becoming severely unwell if they do get it Mm. Um, and data does tend you know show that they can get complications such as having a premature birth 
or even stillbirth. So, you know, women are being admitted into intensive care units and it seems like it's the, the women that are unvaccinated. So overall, getting vaccinated as a pregnant wom- woman is, is very important. And I think as, as the restrictions have eased, it's very, I think it's very important that women also um, take this up to, to protect themselves and, and their babies. Thank you, Jacqueline. And, and Neela, have you, has there been any specific issues that have arisen from unvaccinated women that you've been dealing with over the last six months or I suppose? I mean, it's such a short period of time, I suppose, isn't it, for you to... I'm really realising the stupidity of my question as I'm mid-question, Neela. No, I think um, uh, I totally agree with Jacqueline because she sees uh, women who are in their advanced pregnancies I think the problems arise a lot more at that stage where I see them in early pregnancy with either an ectopic pregnancy or miscarriages. We are just treating them as we would because it's an emergency. We are treating them and we are providing them exactly the care that we would provide them. I don't think we still understand if COVID has or you know, having the vaccine has caused any problems. What I have noticed is in my gynecology practice is a lot of women have reported irregular bleeding, unscheduled bleeding, and their periods have gone all irregular. And some of that can be attributed to the COVID vaccine. We've seen some menopausal women having bleeding, unscheduled bleeding, although there's very early emerging uh, evidence at this moment, but there has been kind of uh, an association with unscheduled bleeding in some women with the COVID vaccine. But as such, in terms of the service we provide, I think that all our staff are vaccinated and have had their boosters, most of them, and we would we would provide the same service to women, whether they're vaccinated or not vaccinated, you know, as they walk through our doors. Absolutely. And and just to add to that is whilst vaccination is, you know, is at the moment, you know, being offered, there's still other things that we can do. We can, you know, we can wear our mask, we can, you know, we can use our sanitizers, we can try and keep some social distancing. So there's still many things that we can do that will still be effective, whether we're vaccinated or not. And all of us should nevertheless still do the same things. Absolutely. Yeah. May we all continue to wear our masks and um, protect ourselves and our patients all the time. I'm sure that'll be really, really reassuring for any pregnant woman listening in. I'd love to ask if you have any tips or advice for Neela, for women who were in the first 12 weeks or after the first 12 weeks for you, Jacqueline. So um, what I believe most is that all patients, and I know it's difficult when you've had previous miscarriages and problems in pregnancy, it's very important to be as calm and positive as you can. It's important to reduce your anxiety if you can by using other modalities like acupuncture, yoga, mindfulness, and of course, keeping a very healthy lifestyle with a good diet and exercise. And if if you're overweight, you must try and lose weight. Stop smoking if you're a smoker. All of these things have a huge positive impact. And of course, we've seen progesterone come in and we are hoping that we will see some more um, better studies which will give us data as to the outcome outcomes for uh, pregnancies. And if somebody's had repeated miscarriages, um, particularly one miscarriage, over 12 weeks or three miscarriages in a row, which is less than 12 weeks, or if someone's over the age of 38 and if they've had one or two miscarriages, then it's really important that they get themselves referred as early as possible through their GPs. And the other thing I think will be really important to say is that after the age of 40, pregnancy outcomes do go down. So miscarriages go up. And by the time you're 45, 50% of pregnancies will miscarry because of chromosomal abnormalities. So where you can, please don't leave having babies until very late. 
and where possible, uh, and I know it's not always the case, but when possible, it's important to plan your family as early as it's feasible rather than leaving things very late. But sometimes you get to a stage where you can then experience problems with pregnancy, miscarriages, and the overall pregnancy outcome. Brilliant advice. Thank you, Neela. Jacqueline, can we get your advice for the next phase from 12 weeks for pregnant women listening? I actually completely agree with Neela because actually it's what happens in the beginning of pregnancy that really determines so much of what's going to happen later on. And one of the key points is early booking, um, in particular with, with history of miscarriage, with a history of preterm birth, with any medical condition or complication which could have an impact on the pregnancy, it's very important that the woman informs her GP, informs her obstetrician of her history, informs her midwife, so that things can be done to improve the outcomes. At the time of this pandemic, it's also difficult to attend appointments and having appointments over the telephone, but it's very important that women uh, maintain their antenatal care and try and get to as many appointments as they can. And then also just the general advice about, you know, in particular, looking after the, the weight during the pregnancy, because um, a raised BMI causes so many problems during the pregnancy and also during the delivery. And for example, if a woman has, has a, a raised BMI and has a cesarean section, the recovery may be more difficult. So these are things that need to be considered. So I would just encourage women to be open and, um, you know, look after themselves, not smoke, just the general healthy lifestyle advice and also not to worry because I mean we've been talking about things that are worrying but it's trying to reach out to any of their support groups to to provide that you know extra arm around them during the pregnancy. Thank you so much Jacqueline and I think in terms of some of the stories that we lay people have been hearing over the last year or so, which is about people perhaps not referring themselves as as quickly as they might otherwise do because they're worried about putting pressure on the NHS or or it might be that they're just worried to go into hospital and they might be referred and maybe just stay at home and hope that everything will run its course naturally. It's really reassuring to hear both of you with the same message, which is it's important if there are issues to to get referred quickly. And clearly, if they do and they are referred to either of you extraordinarily capable women, then they'll be in the very best of hands for you guys to be able to do what you can. So thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure talking to you both and listening to um, that. And we're very appreciative of the time that you've given us this evening to the local community. And thank you on behalf of all our listeners and everybody for the work you've been doing. And good luck with everything. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Welcome to Environment Matters with me, Amanda Yorworth. Now, I don't know about you, but gone are the days when I just buy, you know, any old stuff for friends and family at Christmas, just something I thought they'd like. Now I'm looking for something that's good for the planet, supports a good cause, and of course is still something that they actually want to receive. And that is a tough call. But I think that I found gifts that tick all those boxes in a place that came as a surprise to me. Now, you might be familiar with the St. Francis Hospice Charity Shop at the Quadrant in Marshallswick. And like all second-hand charity shops, I mean, it's a great place to pick up pre-loved clothes and toys and books. And that's great for the planet if it means that we buy less new stuff. And you might even find something suitable for a gift there, but it's, it's not so likely. But St. Francis Hospice have a fantastic new way to turn their second-hand book donations into a lovely gift. I spoke to Mark Jackson Hancock, resident book expert and manager of the St. Francis Hospice Community Bookshop Chapter 2. And I started by asking him to tell me a little bit about the Hospice of St. Francis and the work it does. So the Hospice of St. Francis is based in Berkhamstead um, and it provides care for residents in Buckinghamshire and Hertfordshire. It's quite a large catchment area. Um, The hospice has 12 beds, so it's room for 12 people to stay there, but it also has a very large spring garden centre where 
people can go in for various treatments and they have a very large outgoing sort of nursing care um, that covers quite a lot of people. So it's, it's a very wide ranging series of treatments and care that the hospice provides. And it costs about £5 million a year to run, which is why we have various fundraising enterprises and we have lots of retail outlets to support this. Indeed, including the one at the Quadrant in St Albans. I can see that you're sitting in a very packed bookshare there. You've got piles of books behind you and I was attracted to your book subscription gift. Can you tell us how that works? Well, the customer can pay for three months, six months or 12 months and we send a book out each month, which I select. So they get a nice book, which is wrapped up very neatly by our packer who's trained in the art of Japanese origami. And they get a a Kit Kat, they get a bookmark and they might get another little gift as well. Okay. And you say that you select the book. Can can we say, you know, if the person we have in mind for the gift, if there's a particular genre that they like, can can we specify Mm. that? That's right. So when you sign up, um, we send out a questionnaire. So we ask what was the last book that the person read? What's their favourite book? What sort of things do they like? And from that, I can usually have a very good idea about what they might like. I also am very open to special requests. So I had a lady in yesterday who wanted a year subscription for her mum. But she said, my mum only reads horror and dark fantasy, but that's not one of your genres. I said, there's no problem at all. Just write it down and I can do that because we get all sorts of books. We get thousands of books every week donated. So we get anything and everything here. Wow. And do do you do book subscriptions for children? Could could you do it for that age group? We can if, if requested. We... I've got young adult as a genre because of this, we have a huge amount of young adult books. But if the subscription's for a child, then as long as we know how old they are, we can do that. We've thought of doing like a christening subscription whereby you can pay for a few years and we can measure the child's progress by starting with baby and toddler books, board books, going on to picture books, going on to five to eight. And that, I think that would be a lovely idea. But we can do anything. As long as we know who we're sending the books for, we, we can do all sorts of things. All right. Okay. That, that sounds like a wonderfully personal gift. So you don't only select the books, Mark, you also include a little note with them. Tell <laughs> us about that. Well, because it's such a personal thing and because the subscribers tend to offer a lot of personal information at the outset, I feel like I do know quite a lot of the people that we send the books to so I always send them a few lines about why I've chosen the book for them and what the book's about and why I think it will appeal to them and very often about 60% of them regularly write back and tell me what they think of the book so we have quite a good relationship. Well, do you know, that was my next question. I was just about to ask you whether you get any feedback. So so do people say that they appreciate what you're doing? We did. We get a huge amount of feedback. People like the people like to talk about books. People like to talk about their reading. It's like being part of a book club, really, your own personal book club. And people really do like that very much. Yeah, I'm not surprised, Mark. It sounds it sounds like a, a fantastic idea. So, Mark, just tell us how we sign up for this or how we sign up for, for the uh, recipient of this lovely gift. So you can sign up on the Hospice of St. Francis website. Um, if you go into the link for Chapter 2, then there is a link for the book, book subscription. It's £30 for three months. It's £55 for six months and £95 for a year. And it is very good value. The books are as good as new and they are all personally selected. Indeed. And of course, we know that we're supporting an excellent cause as well. Mark, thank you so much for telling us about that. Thanks, Amanda. 
I was talking there to Mark Jackson Hancock, book expert at St. Francis Hospice. And I'll pop a link to the Chapter 2 online bookshop where you can set up your gift book subscription into the note that goes with the podcast of this show and which you'll find on either radioverulum.com or by going to the Environment Matters Facebook page. Now, Mark also told me that his fantastic book subscription wasn't the only gift that St. Francis Hospice had on sale that was good for the planet, raised money for a good cause and was also lovely to receive. So I went on to speak to Sarah Coles, Director of Sustainability at St. Francis Hospice. And I started by asking her if sustainability is important at the hospice. It is, Amanda. It's very much at the heart of what we do. I've actually got the word sustainability in my title. And certainly from the trading side of things, our charity shops are the very essence of eco-sustainability and have been at the forefront of driving that for a long time. So it's great to see everybody else recognising the huge benefits in terms of saving landfills, CO2 emissions and sort of slowing down that fast fashion which has been so popular. And I think upcycling, that's something which we've been doing for several years at our furniture show when we return to glory and repurposing, reinventing and reinvigorating an old piece and then selling it on. And the best bit of all is all the profits go to a local charity to sustain and support that local charity. So it all stays within the local community. I love the way that, you know, you take and being good for the environment, also with being good for people as well, sort of marrying these two great causes together. Absolutely. And I think if anything, you know, the last 18 months have shown us that we've missed all these lovely human touch points that we've had. And our shops are in the sit in the heart of their local communities. We communicate and talk to our local communities. Our volunteers are all local people. And um, at first, we were very concerned that we would lose a, a lot of our volunteers as a result of COVID. But in fact, in you know, that's not been the case. People have missed coming in, talking to customers and working their shifts as a volunteer. Brilliant. Now, we've just heard about the pre-loved book subscription that you offer, but sustainability is a theme with other gifts that you offer um, in your online shop too. And you include some pre-loved items there as well. Can you tell us about your gifts for good? Yes, of course. Well, it Shop for Good um, sort of really came out of the pandemic and the focus on well-being and the confidence that people have gained in shopping online. And this shop has sustainability and well-being at its heart. So um, it's a range of products which are eco and sustainable. We have a range of reloved donated items and we also have a range of handcrafted items and we have fantastic teams of volunteers, uh, creates and makes team who are based at Return to Glory and they use donated fabrics to craft lovely gifts. So all of those are wrapped up in our offer and people can either buy those items individually or they can buy our wellbeing boxes which are specially themed and can be personalised and tailor-made to individual requirements. And in all our packaging, we use sustainable packaging. uh, And the idea is that as well as being a lovely, unique gift, it brings a spark of joy as well when when you get it. And of course, again, all the profits go to supporting the work of the hospice. So do you have any gift that's particularly popular? We have some fantastic toiletries, which are completely environmentally friendly. They've been really popular. And we have some hand crocheted face cloths as well and makeup pads, which can be rewashed and reused. They're really popular. You heard Mark talk about his books. We have a great box, which is our bookworm. And that has a lovely big bar of chocolate and a book which has got a a title to sort of lure you in as a surprise, a surprise. You don't know what you're getting. It's beautifully wrapped, but it's a bit of fun. So these are selling really well. But we have other themed boxes. We've got one which is around coffee and chocolate, so it's total indulgence. They're all different themed. We have a re-loved chic box, which is all re-loved items, and that's really popular. So our charity shops cherry pick some of their best items and those are included in a themed box so you'll get a lovely range of items in there 
And all our well-being boxes contain a little really love surprised item. Brilliant. So how do we order these uh, lovely gifts? Well, you can order them through our website, uh, which is shopforgood.org.uk. If you can't find it, go on the hospice website as well, and there's a link to it there. Brilliant. And just because it would be a shame for us to miss out, what's the last ordering date for Christmas? I'm going to say Friday the 17th, Amanda, of December. Okay, lovely. Well, pop that date in the diary so that uh, you know you've ordered things in time. Brilliant. Thank you ever so much. Many thanks. I was talking there to Sarah Coles, Director of Sustainability at St. Francis Hospice. And as I said, I'll pop a link to the website where you'll find all those lovely gifts into the note that goes with the podcast of this show and which you'll find on RadioBevelon.com or by going to the Environment Matters Facebook page. Now, local Oxfam shops are also a great place to find pre-loved gifts. I I didn't realise that Oxfam is the UK's largest second-hand bookseller and plenty of their books are like new. Um, Also, they've got some lovely vintage books, some gorgeous coffee table books, and they've got a great range of donated music as well, including some much sought-after vinyl records, which make a brilliant retro gift. And the other good news is that the St. Albans Oxfam Bookshop is now open on Sundays. So there's more browsing time from 12 till 4 on Sunday afternoons from now on. Now, not books, but Oxfam also have their Oxfam unwrapped gifts. Things like a donation so that a family in a developing world can have a goat or perhaps education for a girl or even something as basic as a toilet. And I particularly liked it one year when someone paid for an allotment in Malawi as a gift for me. I just love the idea of someone on the other side of the world now having what they needed to grow fresh veg for themselves, just as I love to grow veg in my own garden. Hello and welcome to The Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I'm Lydia El Khoury and I'm delighted to have a fabulous local guest joining us on the show this evening. So I've got Danielle Jefferson from Jefferson Crafts uh, here in the studio. How are you, Danielle? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Great, great. So Christmas is almost upon us. Are you ready? Yes, I've been very, very busy. Christmas is always a busy season for us. So I'm looking forward to Christmas just for a bit of relaxing. <laughs> Great. And and tell us a little bit about yourself and Jefferson Crafts. Yeah, so we've been in business three years. Um, I'm only one half of Jefferson Crafts. My mum is the other half. Um, so I have a degree in business. I got that at Hearts University and my mum has an art degree. Um, she also went to Hearts Uni. And she brought me up to be passionate about the environment. She's always had a real passion for it. So when I grew up, was always teaching me about it. So our business is that we save fabric from going to landfill and make it into reusables for the home. So we make makeup wipes, kitchen towel, bowl covers, things like that. And we get all the fabric from customer donations. So people can come to our market stall and literally just throw bags of fabric at us and we'll repurpose it. We also work with clothing alterations companies and fabric companies that are just throwing out rolls and rolls of fabric and stop it from being wasted. It's just such a brilliant idea. And I, I can I can picture parents listening in around <laughs> around the St. Dobbins area going, Great, that's it. Perfect. Now I know what to do with things like I suppose old tablecloths or yeah. or clothes, sh- sheets. That- yeah, we take it all, literally anything. We're happy to have anything because we don't waste anything. So we start with big bits of material and that goes into the bigger products like kitchen towels and things, which then moves down to a makeup wipe size, which then moves on to at Christmas time, we do fabric tinsel instead of the plastic tinsel. So we make it. sure that everything gets used. Fantastic. So tell us, how is the business going? So you're local, you're St. Albans. Are you selling further than St. Albans? Yes, we've just opened up a unit on Watford Market. And we, we're always in St. Albans. We like to stay local. So we do the farmer's market in St. Albans. Um, you can always find one of us out on the bid market on a Friday. And over Christmas, we'll be out on the charter market Wednesdays. And then the days leading up to Christmas as well. Um, so we're around everywhere. <laughs> Brilliant. And if anybody can't make it to one of the markets, 
can they how how else can they get in touch or how can they so we have our website jeffsoncrafts.com um, and all our products are up on there you can also email us at jeffsoncrafts1 at gmail.com jeffersoncrafts1 at gmail.com yeah and um, then they can arrange to drop off the material to you or I, yeah. I guess get it to you somehow yeah if you live locally in St Albans we're more than willing to come collect it as well that's fantastic so remind me again of the gifts people if you know if if anybody's still getting their last few bits and pieces before Christmas tell us what people can buy popular gifts from us are the makeup wipes or a bathroom set which contains two packs of the makeup wipes a soap saver and a coordinating holder if anyone doesn't know what a soap saver is it's a knitted bag which you pop your enzia soap in or a whole bar of soap in and use it and it lathers up really thick and foamy like shower gel and then you're not using the waste of the plastic scrubber and the plastic bottle I just know so many people who'd love to get that in a stocking. Such a brilliant, brilliant idea, Danny. And how did you come up with it? Was it yourself and your mom together or how did it evolve? Um, so we started with the makeup wipes, people we were seeing that buying them in twos. And then we just decided that it would be a nice little gift if you could get it all coordinating to match your bathrooms and things. Um, so, yeah, came up with it that way. And how busy does it keep you? Very. This is a full-time job for us both. So we're busy all the time. <laughs> fantastic. And I'm so, so fantastic to hear this business on our doorstep here in St. Albans at the local market regularly. And would you mind just reminding our listeners one more time of the website so that yeah, they can... Yeah, so uh, it's jeffersoncrafts.com. Brilliant. Listen, Danielle, fantastic to have you on the Parents Show this evening. Thanks so much for telling us about your great initiative. That's all right. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us on The Parents Show this evening. Um, we're delighted to have you listening in on Radio Viral 92.6 FM. Thanks from me, Lydia Corey, from Seema Barker and Amanda Yorworth. We're delighted to have had you with us this evening. And I hope you, you gained as much as we did out of listening to Miss Jacqueline Bamfo and Miss Neela Muckopedia from Luton and Dunstable Hospital. So, so many interesting bits of information and also really useful advice. Thanks also to Mark Jackson Hancock and Sarah Coles from St. Francis Hospice. And finally, thanks to Danielle Jefferson from Jefferson Crafts. And once again, happy birthday, Pharrell. I hope you've had a fantastic day. Thanks for joining us. Have a lovely evening. Tune in next week.